I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is your host, as ever, Matt Dixon. And today some special guests we haven't had guests for a while you've had to make do with me myself and I but today we're going to explore the empowerment of female athletes the journey towards a Hawaiian Ironman overcoming age and becoming faster as you get older yes it is possible and we tell the story through two special guests purple patch athletes Sandy Holbrook James and Sarah Gott I'm going to make this introduction very quick as the show takes care of itself. It's a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed doing it. And we're going to dive straight in just before we do one little quick jingle. Let's do the word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wink. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. And the word of the week this week. Well, it's going to be a very gratuitous sales job from me this week because it's kits. Kits. What's that got to do with performance? Well, it's how you look, right? It's flying the flag. It's feeling confident. It's feeling wonderful. The kit that you wear, your cycling kit, the purple patch kit. Oh, the triathlon racing kit. They are live, guys, courtesy of Waddy Inc., the 2020 version of your Purple Patch cycling gear and triathlon gear. But here's the headline news. This is a call to action purely as a courtesy. Yes, we'd love you to order it, but there's a deadline. Our store is only open until November the 24th. After that, we shutter it up. We close it off. It's D-U-N, done. So if you want to look confident, be brave, smile, look happy, get lots of confidence, raise your performance to the very next level, the Purple Patch Cycling and Triathlon Gear. It is yours to have an order. We left the link in the show notes. Head to the show notes, go and find it, click on the link. It's at Waddy Inc. It is the Purple Patch store, but you have to order by November the 24th. So we wanted to let you know. Very briefly, I'm sabotaging Word of the Week this week. I know I am. I apologize in advance. But every single year, we have people say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Well, here it is. I'm telling you. Purple patch gear and the theme. I'm just going to say two words. Lightning bolts. Lightning bolts. Are you serious? Yes, indeed. Go and check them out. The Purple Patch Cycling Gear, November 24th. Link are in the show notes. Order it. Don't miss out. And now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, guys, I smell trouble ahead. Today we have two very special guests, two Purple Patch athletes, Sandy James and Sarah Gott. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Good stuff. It's going to be uh, a very interesting conversation. We're going to be exploring female empowerment with athletes, the maturing athlete, what it takes to go on a journey and excel in any endeavor in endurance sports. And I invited you on because I think your story is uh, so powerful, so indicative, and so relatable. And uh, and I hope today is going to be a lot of fun. I want to give the listeners at home a little bit of an insight into who you are. So you're both Bay Area. You're both San Francisco. I, I think you're both Bay Area born and, born and raised, actually, but we'll get into that in a little while. And you both have pretty extensive careers, if we want to call it that, in endurance sports, both more than 20 years in endurance sport. Uh, Sandy, the last eight years for you, been in more sort of competitive triathlon. Sarah, about the same last six or seven years straying into Ironman, longer before that in half Ironman or Ironman 70.3. Let's share sort of your family situation for context. I think that's that's really important. Sandy married to Jeff, two daughters, 
Daphne and Lucy, they deserve a shout out, 21 and 19 years of age. Uh, and uh, originally in PR, I think, if my memory is that right? Correct, in yes. PR and uh, brand marketing and event planning and uh, put that on hold as you went through the journey of being a mum and probably the world's most important uh, career and now back and a certified health coach. It's the other side of stuff. And in 2019, that's this year, your first finish at the Hawaii Ironman World Championship. So congratulations. Thank on you. That. And Sarah, re- remarkably similar. It's like you guys were cut from the same cloth, but uh, married to Joel. And uh, you have three children, Lucy, 16, and then twins, James. And now you're going to have to help me here, Lael. Lael. Yeah. Lael. Okay, both 14. Fantastic. And you went to UC Davis, and your background is winemaking. Yes. Now, your name is Gott, and you are married to Joel Gott. And uh, many people, many listeners might have heard of Joel Gott's wines, or maybe visited one of the uh, the, the Gott uh, restaurants around the Bay Area. What many people don't know is it really should be probably called Sarah Gott, because you are the, <laughs> uh, you are the genius behind... Uh, the Got Wineries with the uh, winemaking. You obviously have an extensive history on that. And to finish up your resume, well beyond winemaking, what we care about here, 2019, your very first finish at the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. So how can we not have you guys on to share your stories and uh, and hopefully inspire some people that are listening? So let's dig in. Are you guys fastening your seatbelts and ready to go? We are. We are. You, uh, you, you have very high performance anxiety, I hope. This is a much bigger deal than you guys at the start line of the Hawaii Ironman. <laughs> the pressure is on, as we say, don't fuck it up. Here we go. So let's dive into it. And I want to start with sport. We'll, we'll get more into family and history within the context of our conversation. But I want to start with, with sport extensive experience in endurance sports you now sit as hawaii ironman world championship finishers again congratulations have you, have you always been endurance athletes let's go all the way back high school and beyond when did you first get into sports i'm very interested in in where you started uh, sandy why don't you kick us off so I think I really got into sports when I went to high school and I actually went to boarding school having grown up in san francisco uh, I feel like I was a pretty traditional kid, um, grew up playing in the park. PE was on the roof of the building at school. I uh, didn't really have a true introduction to sports, uh, more than just having a bunch of fun and letting your yayas out. Uh, I grew up on the weekends uh, horseback riding, and I was a dancer. Oh, wow. I was a ballet dancer pretty much th- up to 18. I did it in high school as well. And, um, but always had a passion for just being outside, but going away to high school really opened up sports for me, uh, team sports. Uh, originally I, I did it all. I played soccer, I played basketball, I played lacrosse. And one season I was pulled from the soccer team to run cross country because they thought I could run <laughs> and I loved it being in the trails, but I, part of me didn't love it because I felt that was not the cool sport and sure. it wasn't. It was a different sense of teamwork and the camaraderie, so I went back to soccer. But my point being, I was really, uh, my eyes were open to uh, more endurance sports, and I started to fall in love with running. Okay. And then that carried over into college. I went to the University of Denver and wanted to be in a place where I could be in the outdoors. I did grow up skiing, too, so I wanted to okay. run, be, ski in the, be in the mountains. And um, that's when I started really started doing 10Ks and uh, just dabbling in more endurance sports. Got a mountain bike. And really, well, you're in the right place for it in Denver. Definitely. Yeah? And, and when, when, where, where did you go? So 14 is when you left home. I left home at 14, which um, I didn't do anything wrong. My parents were just both from the East Coast originally, and they just believed in boarding school. And uh, for me, it, it was a blessing. I was just excited to get out of the house and do something different. And, uh, but it just opened my eyes to so much. Yeah, and, um, it's been a massive sort of growth opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. Were you, were you back on the East Coast? Was I it? was. I was in a, uh, at a small independent school called Millbrook in Millbrook, New York, about two hours north of New York City. Uh, my father had actually gone there and some other family members. So it was, uh, like a family 
school, but it, it was beautiful, you know, upcountry New York, rolling hills, horses. I mean, I did everything. I still did everything I loved that I was doing at home, but then got exposed to. Well, it really so sounds, much. you know, the horseback riding and then soccer and lacrosse, really sort of team sports were the, were also the catalyst. Yeah. So definitely this sort of really well grounded, multidisciplinary sort of approach or, or introduction to sports. Definitely. And then uh, going on to. University of Denver and continuing that love and continuing it so much that uh, a girlfriend and I started the women's lacrosse team at University of Denver. So oh, that wow. was a big, um, huge accomplishment because now they're a D1 amazing yeah, team program, fully program. Established but program. Um, just my point being just, just my, opened my eyes to, and I continue just to have a passion for um, introducing other people to sport and being outdoors and the teamwork commodity yeah. and then I wonder if we have anyone listening who's who plays or has played on Denver lacrosse <laughs> that would be fantastic to hear and uh, to hear from that's uh, it's a special prize if anyone writes in with uh, with uh, owning up to uh, to being a lacrosse player how, how about you sir um, a little bit similar except not boarding school but um, you know when I was younger grew up in Tiburon Belvedere area so you know, a lot of that soccer on the, on the bay right there, swim team, um, basketball, all of the fun sports, but nothing ever too seriously. I hated competition. Um, so I hated swim meets and, um, in high school, a little bit of the same basketball and ended up doing some cross country, um, and swimming as well, but just okay. really just for fun. I never felt like I was all that good. Um, I went to school up in Northern Marin. So we ran the trails around Lake Lagunitas and all of that. So it was beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, I loved that part of it. Um, I mean, it's, it's part of the, the luck we have sort of being based here, right? I mean, it's such a, mm -hmm. a wonderful sort of outdoor city and, and youth. Although I guess the same could be said with where you went to boarding school, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, Two definitely. hours north of New York. Um, unbelievable. Yeah. But then coming home to this beautiful. California lifestyle. Yeah. I was definitely spoiled. And, and what about going into endurance sports then? You sort of, you had a, both of you had a little bit of a grounding when 20 years ago, I guess, or so. What was the catalyst of, hang on, I'm going to go on this venture. It sounds like Denver for you was the, the first sort of step into that. Would, would you have said? Yes. And then I really fell in love with running and I, just decided to keep pushing myself in that sport. But again, not coming from a running background. Um, I never, I never did any sport competitively. Like I wasn't a swimmer. So I didn't have any of that discipline or mindset. I just, mm -hmm. I would fall in love with something and just figure it out. So after college, I moved to Boston for a few years and running was my, I was living and working there and running was my outlet. And I decided, Oh, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. Why not? And back then you could just drop in. Yeah, I didn't even have to register. It's changed a little bit. And I think the furthest I had run was 13 miles. And I remember most of that was on the treadmill because it was so cold there or running around the Charles bundled up beyond. And uh, I just loved it. So I just loved pushing my body and um, seeing what I could do. I don't think it was very pretty, but I did it. And then um, so that's really I just became this endurance long distance runner and so started doing a lot of marathons and and that was really one thing led to the other. Pretty much one thing led to the other. How about you, Sarah? Um, I'd, I'd say I actually got into swimming a little bit more. I joined a master's growing, you know, kind of moving into St. Helena and I was 24, 25. Didn't, you know, your all my friends were in San Francisco. I felt like I was the country bumpkin up north and um, joined a master's swim group and of, you know, 25 years ago. And that was sort of like mm -hmm. the grounding spot. Did a lot of open water swims, the Berryessa swim and, oh, yeah. you know, the Russian river and a, a couple of other ones that they used to have more of, but it was really that team camaraderie with these people of all ages back then. So even then, I mean, I had a, maybe a couple of peers close to my age, but I'd say a lot of those people were 20 years older than I was at the time, mm -hmm. which is actually younger than I am now, but they, <laughs> it was, you know, f awesome to just be with them and see what they were doing. Um, and then I had a group of friends actually that I'd kind of met through the through swimming that convinced us all to run the Napa marathon in 99. Wow. So that again was just like a fun, you know, be with people really team 
camaraderie more than sort of like a self motivated, I'm going to go, you know, run this marathon and kill it. It was about kind of training together and being together. Um, and from that it led into friend peer pressure to do a half Ironman and then you the rest know, is the, history. The rest the, is history. It, it's interesting because uh, when I when I listen to your stories and you go back all the way back to sort of your high school into now the the sort of venture into endurance sports and it, it sort of couldn't be different from my experience growing up where I, I had a lot of play but almost right from the start it was this ob- obsession and hyper competitiveness and sort of elite mindset I don't know whether it was elite performance but it was elite mindset in a way you know like swimming was the vehicle and that's why I ended up coming to the states and so sport was was very goal driven and you know Sarah you said I didn't like competition I didn't like swim meets and it almost seemed like it was exploratory and the love of the outdoors and adventure more than it was point to prove And, and the reason I sort of frame it like that I may not be exactly right but as we now come to here, I want to understand what drives you. Uh, if it hasn't been this obsession of results, at least in the early years, as we took, you chose to embrace endurance athletes and the now the multi-sport lifestyle. So what's the thing that sort of drives you? What's success? Well, I'd say what sort of the, the driving force that maybe, you know, has led into more of the competitive mindset with, Ironman or just the even half Ironman's endurance sport Um, as life has gotten busier and as we have, you know, sort of gotten older and more mature, you, you do realize um, the things that you love to do. And this is definitely part of my life that I, I love. And it's also having kids, having work, you have to fit time in for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you become more efficient. In a way, I mean, I'm, I feel like at almost 50, I am a better mindset athlete for sure than I was at 29 or 30 when I had a lot more time on my hands, but it was sort of not wasted time, but I was, I was having fun. Yeah, scatter time. And you, you, I was, I didn't have a coach and it was, it was all about sort of fun. And as you said, exploring, but as I've sort of moved through this, process this journey i've realized how much it adds to my life all of these different things and um the prior prioritizing that and making time for it you just you know it kind of increases the enthusiasm and that's what drives yeah okay i get that yeah so it's 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 almost an essential part of the the whole fabric of life in a way not it's uh it's an accelerant you might say right in some ways and uh how about you sandy what drives you do you think definitely echo what sarah just said and i think also for me i am a very goal-oriented person and i love having something hard to work toward and then seeing and feeling that end result and i don't look at it more, not competitively, competitively for myself. Uh, I just always loved having that challenge. And I think that's where endurance sports really opened my eyes. And I started embracing that mindset. And as I got older, and life got more complicated, and I still wanted to figure out how to have that in my life. But as Sarah says, just it becomes more much more of a discipline and time and fitting that all in. But still wanting to capture that feeling of, of going through the process and having that end result um, really drives me. Yeah. I thrive on that. What, what, what do you guys think the impact of this journey has had or influence on your kids? The fact that their mums are ultimately goal-driven, uh, competitive with themselves, they're, they're going to do this Hawaii man. The whole, the whole journey, what – has it had any influence or impact on the kids, do you think? I think for m- our kids, definitely. Uh, my husband, Jeff, has always been um, a competitive athlete in a, in a different realm. Uh, competitive wind- windsurfer, was a competitive cyclist for a while. So, unfortunately, our kids, <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> were born in this very active family. It's kind of the joke that people see the James family coming and it's like, oh gosh, what, what are we in store for today? Um, but we both, I, I mean, it ha- luckily happened organically, uh, just 
we're going to support our kids in whatever they wanted to do, whether it was sport, art, music. And uh, both our kids um, embraced uh, their team sports, you know, soccer, and then they both were got into cross country. But us being skiers, they uh, fell in love with skiing at a young age and both were on the ski team. And then my older daughter uh, really embraced the ski racing and went on to go to a ski academy and is now a competitive ski racer at college. And my younger daughter became a, she stopped skiing and really fell in love with running and became a competitive runner. So I think they just had this foundation that, it, and it definitely was not driven by us. It was just there if they want, you know, we just were there supporting their passion. And uh, yeah. I think it's a mindset that they have grown up with, but we've tried to keep it really healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, really do what you love. If you're not loving this, don't do it. Why are you doing it? How about you? I have a follow-up question, but I'll, I'll let you, Sarah. I'll yeah, I, um, I think, you know, my kids were a little bit younger when I started to kind of really get into it. And um, they've always been very supportive. Having the family support, obviously, is huge as we sort of, you know, talk about fitting this into life. And um they, I think at times have thought I've, you know, a little crazy, but they're, um, I think they also love the idea that I am doing this and successful mm-hmm. in doing this. Um, you know, sort of the Ironmans that I have chosen are, are ones that like are a family event, mm-hmm. you know, whether we've gone to Whistler or Montremblanc, it's pl- like Placid, it's the places that I know is a good family vacation yeah. spot and also something that they can go and explore and do and be a part of. Um, so that I think has helped. And they've actually all done um, the sprint at Wildflower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've done that a couple of times. Um, so that has been fun and kind of, you know, got their feet wet. And they've all done swim team at some point and they've all done, you know, 5Ks. So they've, they've, I think, have the foundation. I wouldn't say they're, you know, racing out to do triathlon necessarily, but as Sandy said, supporting them in any sport that they are participating in. Um, they all love skiing and basketball and soccer. Um, my oldest Lucy is more into running these days. That's just sort of happened, which has been great. Now she's faster than I am. So, but I think that's such a gift, like being able to run with your oh my gosh, yes. daughters. Incredibly and rare, yeah. My older daughter hates to run, but she cycles a lot because it's great cross training for skiing. And to be able to, we go on whether it's mountain biking or road riding yeah. together, and then I can run and just sharing this what we both love um, and doing it together. It's 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 really special. And yeah, sharing it, that it, outdoor passion and, and being outdoors. I, and sure. it's wonderful in a way. Neighbors across the street, which are, are wonderful friends and uh had never done any sports in their life and and got into swimming and come into our swim group and now their son has gone into water polo at high school and they go swimming with each other and that's that never would have happened five years ago someone that's been basically inactive all of their lives got into swimming and luckily was had a head start <laughs> amongst the teenager but it went from there it, it, life is for, for both of you guys in Clearly incredibly busy. I mean, you list off just the sports that the kids have, are doing or have done, and it, it's been completely chaotic. But one of the things that I hear, and I said, am I accurate in this? It seems like multi-sport, triathlon, endurance sports, it tends to be, am I right in saying it's something that you do more than who you are in many ways? Would that be accurate? Yes. I think it's sort of an ingrained um, part of my life that I love, but it doesn't define my existence, so mm-hmm. to speak. There's not really time or a place for it to define that because there's, you know, being, ha- having a very busy husband, having very busy kids, you know, three teenagers in high school, if I can make it through this, um, then I can do another. <laughs> I, 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 Iron Man seems easy sometimes in comparison to, you know, sort of the daily the daily life that mm-hmm. you're juggling. Mm-hmm. So the training's a reprieve. And, and yeah, yeah, the training is the, I mean, do, you, do you also think that the training is essential to equip you to navigate in many yes, ways? It, it helps with the, with the mind clearing the mentality for me too. being with friends. It's, you know, it's almost like a going out on a long run with a friend as a therapy session. I'd much rather do that than go and sit and have lunch or, you know. Yeah, exactly. How about you? Sam? But I think it's, it's all the balance and it's what, 
makes us, uh, or at least I know for myself, and I think Sarah agrees, the best version of ourselves, and that's something that I was trained in my health coaching, I really believe you want to be the best version of yourself. And if, um, and so you need to create that balance. And if being the best version of you is going for a swim or riding your bike or going to a yoga class, I think it's important to fit that in so you can then give back to your family and your career and what, and just help creating that, that special balance. And, um, I, it definitely is part of just what it's my therapy, what it's what's my outlet. It's what makes me feel good. And also just, I love to be outdoors and I love to do different things outdoors. I think it's nice, you know, it helps from being injured and, and again, all about that balance. So anything that can get me outdoors and even if it's 30 minutes and that's all I have time for, I will make that happen. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. Let, let, let's, let's move on to the Hawaii Ironman. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the journey. Did you guys always have the goal of, Racing the Hawaii Ironman? <laughs> Was that always a big thing for you? I just want to share this story. I think Sarah will remember this and um, might be jumping ahead a little bit, but Sarah and I both did Matt's Kona camp this uh, past March, which was, um, I think it was Sarah's second or third time, but it was my first time. And I really wanted to go to it. Well, several reasons, but also just experience um, Kona and, and what's the, what's this hype of Kona Ironman and, and being able to train and really understand the course. And I know we'll be probably diving into some of that a little later, but I remember Sarah and I both looking at each other saying, okay, we've done this. I don't, I, you know, don't, don't really need to come back and race Ironman Kona, but um, at least we've participated all three disciplines and we know what it's like. And we've had that experience and then two, two months, three months, you know, later in the season, we both end up qualifying. And then it was like, wow. And of course, we, we didn't hesitate for a second. <laughs> yeah. What have I done to myself? What have I done? <laughs> exactly. At least I know what I'm getting into. Um, so I, I remember that well. Yes. And I think I had said that a couple of times <laughs> after experiencing the wind and the heat in the camps and just thinking, like, there is no way. I have no desire to do the Kona Ironman, was what I was telling myself. And I think sure. that to answer your question, no. That has not been... <laughs> it hasn't It has not been a, a, an end-all, be-all goal. I mean, yes, a more realistic goal or conversation in the past few years. Um, but when I first really started to dive into triathlon competitively, uh, I had I had different goals. And... Right. Yeah. Having Kona's, I, I think now having done it, I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited that I had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but once again, I don't know if I would, and I would, I would do it again. I think we talked about that, but I don't think I would, I'm going to chase finding the Ironman mm -hmm. that I qualify yeah, again, sure. because for me, I think that puts the too much pressure on and it takes away from the enjoyment of what that the whole journey and is the for me. journey, yeah. Yeah, which, is which really you important. know, I really do like, you know, like you were saying, I mean, I love having a goal and I love having something to work towards. But having that extra pressure, I feel like it it defines too much of who you are when that's not really who you are. It, it's actually, interestingly, uh, sometimes performance diminishing. People think, I, I want to, there's a quote that I always hear, I want to take it to the next level. And, uh, I start to glaze over when I see that sometimes, not in a dismissive way, but uh, sometimes there is an assumption that if someone wants something very deeply, that they have to absolutely anchor obsession around a target. And they end up uh, accidentally diluting the enjoyment or the reason that they're doing it in the first place. And they go on such this quest, and by the time they actually arrive at the race that supposedly is the perfect race for them to qualify, it becomes pass-fail. And that's a whole bunch of burden that you don't have to carry around if not necessary. And on top of it, uh, it's often not the best way to actually elicit your best performance. And so I think you can have that in some of your planning, some of your background, if the goal is important. But if you really go about doing great habits, I know that's a word that you're very keen on, Sandy, but great habits, great approach and, and, uh, and doing things the right way and enjoying it, often the result is, goodness me, it whacked me around the back of the head. Which, exactly. which is really what happened exactly. to you guys. Yeah. yeah. 
And I like to be really transparent about my story because I think if someone wants to go to Kona, it is, it can be a very realistic goal and you don't have to be a full-time competitive triathlete sacrificing everything just to try to qualify for Kona. And I had a really terrible season last year and I was trying to qualify and it didn't happen. And I realized that's a lot. It's just very stressful mentally, physically. And I took a step back and I just said, I'm going to go do um, the uh, Hawaii 70.3. And I know I could possibly qualify there, but um, it just my race uh, went differently than I had hoped, but at the end of the day, I ended up qualifying. And my point is, I didn't even um, do an Ironman to qualify. Yeah. Um, I know there are a couple halves that, out there that you can still do it, and it's still very competitive and, and still a challenge. But I'm saying it kind of did hit me on the back of the head. Even mm-hmm. though it's always out there, I, I didn't really... Th- I. I sort of let go of that and just wanted to have a great day um, for personal reasons. And look what happened. And, and I think underneath you, you mentioned Kemp. So I want to come back to this as uh, as a part of it. Um, Sarah, you mentioned earlier, you're coming up on 50. Sandy, you're 51. By the way, I did ask permission to uh, to share the ages. So I, 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 I not want to say, but please, if you're listening, please do not tell anyone. That was the only request that we got. But please we don't, don't look tell it, anyone. Right, and Matt. you certainly don't look it. No. And, and actually the tidbit that we found out today is you have exactly the same birthday to the year and the day and the month as Kelly. It's crazy. So we're both turning small 50 world, on the same. Small world. It's San Francisco, June 22nd. It is going to be a big party day, it seems. But, um, but the reason I want to share your ages is because both of you guys have become better over the last years. So you've been doing the sport for a long time. And there's a perception out there that you get to a certain age and then it's a journey of trying to not slow down. And you guys have improved and continue to improve and really improved over the last two or three years. We're sort of really accelerating in many ways. And I think that's really compelling. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what were the biggest catalysts of helping you to continue with longevity and ultimately improve? What were the components that have been the most meaningful interventions for you and a global standpoint and maybe some training pieces? Well, I think specifically, I mean, not to, you know, boost your ego too much more here, Matt. Oh, make it big, make but, it big. Um, when I joined Purple Patch, I, don't know, I think it was maybe four years ago. Now I just, I did this, the squad thing for a while, which was great. And I loved having, you know, sort of looking at the week and knowing how you can fit everything. I'm on that, I'm that big proponent of like, you have to fit the schedule, you know, every Friday or Sunday, I kind of am looking ahead of how everything's going to fit in, whether it's the kids schedule and the games and wine tastings and meetings. And then where, (laughs) (laughs) then where do all the workouts fit in? Um, Usually in the morning. For I want to point out to wine tasting. And then when am I going to work out? It's <laughs> right. a brilliant priority yes. from but a winemaker. Wine, yeah, yes, I get it. wine tasting <laughs> comes <laughs> after. So that's why yes. my, my afternoons are, are out for, <laughs> for workouts. Um, but it, it was being, being able to look at that week and kind of have a general guideline and really be dialing in the workouts. And they were very specific, which... I think is really helpful. I mean, there are times when I just want to go for a, a long trail run and not have to think about what I'm doing. But it is amazing how the workouts are when you have something to really work on, how quickly they go and how much better I feel like you improve. Mm-hmm. And then moving into the one-on-one coaching, and Sandy and I are both coached by the same Matt, not this Matt, but another yeah, the, one. the good-looking Matt, Matt Hurley. Yes. Who has and been on the show. It's a wonderful episode yes, that we, exactly. uh, we shared. No, a head great. of coaching, yeah. Um, but having that little bit more um, sort of attention to detail and focus on what the scheduling is, especially with as busy as our lives can be, and sort of saying like, you know, this next weekend I've got back-to-back basketball games or what it is or ski races or however, you know, I'm out. And having that adjustment that you can sort of talk and say, this is what I'm worried about. 
where can I fit it in? And he's great about getting right back to you and just having that relationship where they know how your life is. It's almost a impacted. partner on the journey, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. it's impactful. Do, do, has coaching been a, a big part for you as well? Definitely. And I do want to give kudos to Matt Hurley because um, it's coaching, one-on-one coaching. I mean, it's a relationship. And mm-hmm. I came on board to Purple Patch only two years ago, even though I've known Matt very, very long time. That's true. <laughs> and I attribute Matt to his early days and some of the things he was involved with to where I am today. You definitely are part of some of the foundation of my getting into triathlon. But um, Matt, even though at the time he wasn't married and have children, I think he was so thoughtful and really trying to understand um, my life and family being a priority and having chasing athletic children around and athletic husband and all of us vying for time, our alone time and, I mean, training time and, and then family time and other work time. And um, he, he really under, understood that or understands that and helping prioritizing still, you know, we need to get the work done, but really making it fit. And, and I definitely think the one on one coaching is, um, really helpful. It, it, it's, uh, it's funny just speaking about Matt. He's, uh, I mean, he is now married, yes. married this summer, but, uh, it's, it strikes me with him, his, his perspective, almost wisdom is, uh, well beyond his years. And, uh, as, as soon as I, I met Matt and he joined as a, as an intern and there was this, kid from Maine and straight away he just had this wisdom this ability to elevate in the sport yes. outside of himself and even he's a very accomplished athlete I mean he was I think the top American in his age group at the 70.3 world championships this year but even in that sort of drive he always had this sort of grounding and this perspective that I think is really impactful and that, that's what we look for in our coaches is not to just be the obsessive triathlon coach, but someone that can really sort of elevate and look at the big picture and understand the complexities of life, which I think almost every triathlete has to manage, but many of them ignore to their peril, their performance peril and their enjoyment of the sport. Um, how about, you mentioned camps, you know, tell me more about the camp experience, not necessarily purple patch, but I think those, that was it. those were important for you guys, yeah? Definitely for me. So I did my first uh, triathlon camp in 2016, and it was the San- Purple Patch San Francisco camp. And I really feel that was a stepping stone into my triathlon career the past three years. And I really opened my eyes to a lot and gave me the confidence to really step it up a level. And I attribute those camps to where I am today. And so in 2016, I did that camp, and I had a really uh, great rest of my season. And I just loved having the, having some of the coaches just at your, um, ac- accessibility and, and just having more of that just one-to-one intense time and breaking things down. And also I have met some great people from those camps too. Yeah. And I did, um, actually do a different camp the following year. And again, I think camps in general are really, uh, helpful and educational and give you a great base and then came back this year and did the um, Kona camp and uh, again which was a huge stepping stone for me well it's funny with with uh, I'll tell you a story which you might not remember but we have known each other for many years but really it's not like we spent a whole bunch of time riding bikes with each other and uh, or running with each other sort of thing and when you came to that camp in San Francisco in person I remember leaving that camp and I think I remember saying something too of just knowing exactly what your recipe of training needed to be. It's like, this is what you need to go away and work on specific. You need to do, I'll go and do a whole bunch of strength endurance, which is basically for you guys listening, pedaling at a very low cadence. You're, you're spinning, you're reliant on that. And if you carry on just spinning like that, you're going to get slower and slower and choosing a lighter and lighter gear. And I really remember a conversation there that I think was the, the, the springboard. It wasn't those two or three days of training, it was the springboard to enable you to go away and work on stuff. And that's that's what I think the power of any camp should be, is less the work you're doing there, it's more the catalyst of the work that you can do when you go home with different perspective. Um, the other thing as well, I think you, you mentioned something that's really meeting other people. I think people underestimate the, like the dinners are a big part of the camp 
in many ways or like there's like just sharing it with other people i think that's really grounding yeah to uh to sort of have a shared environment yeah and the camps expose you to the whole range of people right you have i mean the the First year I came to Kona, you had the pros there. And so we had a couple of days of the overlap. And then you had some people that had never even done an Olympic distance triathlon. So the, you know, the whole broad band of athlete was amazing to be, you know, sort of inspired by those that are that much better than you, but also inspired by those that are committing to something like this that haven't even, you know, crossed that Olympic distance. Mm-hmm. line quite yet so i think you know when you get to see the the different levels of athletes and what sort of drives everybody but you have this common triathlon goal or endurance sports as it you know depending on what it is um in common it's very rewarding and i think your camps do a nice job everyone is an open book and you have again people that are at the upper echelon and some that are just starting out but i feel like we're all sponges and it's really nice to be working all together at all those different levels because we definitely all learn from each other mm-hmm. and um it's it's just a really nice and i think the important thing the one stone. thing that is exactly the same across everyone is uh, the desire to improve I think once you have that as the, the sort of lightning rod in the middle, and then everyone can be a bit more open in many ways, which I think is great. W- what about training? And I think it's so both in endurance sports for more than 20 years, we joke before we turn the microphones on and said, you can't, you're, you're, you're 50, you can't train like you're 30. So I'd love to, I think a lot of people as they, that, that have been doing endurance sports for a while and start to experience a slowdown end up getting stuck with going back to the thing that they're familiar with, more miles, more general fitness. Have there been any things that you feel like have been catalysts to help you keep involving, whether it's more recovery, more intensity? We talked about strength endurance or locating with you, strength work globally. Are there any areas that you can share that you think have been really important for you? I think you just, yeah, you just said a couple of them. I think, you know, really focusing on the strength, especially, and that's been a big proponent of, you know, you, you've been talking about that and, um, for aging women as we get older, how important that is. And I know, I mean, I love going back to the podcast you had with Stacey Sims and I love following her information. Mm -hmm. I think she's very knowledgeable. Yeah, she is. Um, and yes, a little bit more recovery. For sure. Sleep seems, I mean, maybe I'm just sleeping a little bit <laughs> better now these days, which is good. But that, that prioritizing that, um, is really important. And then just a, a little bit more like going back to just sort of the workouts and having it coached, I think is really important. Cause I think if you were on your own, it is easy to just go and just like, I'm just going to go for the long run or the long ride. But here you have, you know, the 30 seconds of the hard, power on the bike or the 30 seconds of the fast, you know, interval on the run, which is things that I wouldn't necessarily push myself to do unless it's written out. And I'm, I'm told I, I like to follow there's the rules. Someone, there's someone looking yes. over the shoulder. I like to follow, have I'm to. a rule follower. So if I'm told to do it, <laughs> I definitely think the quality versus the quantity is a really healthy and proven successful recipe. Yeah. Um, and, and even again, if you don't have that much time in your day, um, doing, you know, those little intervals and, and the strength, some of the strength work within your workouts, and then also definitely doing more strength. And I think also for me, I, um, I used to think recovery was not doing anything, you know, taking a couple days off. And I've learned through Matt and some others that you, you don't stop. And yeah. I think even though we're getting older and, Things are changing. I, I think if you just keep doing, you're going to still see great results. And it's just how you how you're doing, yeah. Um, versus maybe what you're doing, yeah. And consistency. And I think consistency. the consistency is huge. Sort of the commitment to to keep going. And it, it's easy for me to say that because I love it and it's a passion. And I think Sandy feels the same way. So I, I don't want you know. It's not like I'm dragging my feet. You know, it, it's something that I want to keep going. And yes, I just, I want to keep improving, not to necessarily, as we said, you know, make it to Hawaii Ironman again, but just because that's that inner drive, I want to do better. And I also think I've noticed 
just for example, I've done what the Hawaii 70.35 times. And this wasn't my fastest time and I was still able to qualify. But I have to say, I, as I'm aging, I'm feeling stronger. Now, does stronger mean faster? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I think from an efficiency standpoint, there's something about the strength and working on that from a core level and within your aerobic workouts, it, it really um, helps the aging process. I, I think it's, uh, I mean, people have heard it sound like a broken record, but with so many athlete populations, you guys being at the, the very top of the pile of this, Strength cannot be something that you do. It is almost central to you being a good endurance athlete. And it's, that, and it's central to you in the aging process and the health process, uh, staying really functional. It, it, it is the fourth discipline is if you're a triathlete. I think it's so critical in that component. And uh, I got asked the question the other day, what, what endurance athletes do you think need to do strength? Every endurance athlete and, and, and ongoing strength. Our professional athletes are doing strength training the week before the world championship. Very different than the strength doing the strength training that they're doing now. So it needs to be progressive. It needs to be integrated and aligned and meshed with endurance training, but it's a really important component. And it also has a massive factor as I get onto my high horse and start to, uh, uh, preach too much, but. For people that are really interested in things like body composition changes and nutrition and trying to find the next fad diet to, uh, to help them, strength training is a huge component for that side of stuff as well, really becoming just a normal, functional, healthy human being. Uh, so I, I will get off my soapbox and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you guys. I, I, I do want to uh, come back to a word that you said, consistency. And I want to convert that because there are a lot of listeners – that might be thinking, well, great, here's two incredibly impressive women that love it and are at the peak of their sort of age group in any ways. They're qualifying to the world championship. They're going to competing at the world championship. But I don't think any of your story needs, is, is really about elite athletics necessarily. So I, I, I want to talk about females, women, uh, athletes, because I believe that everyone is an athlete, but female athletes that are, are keen towards and, and maybe nervous to go towards a goal in this triathlon, finishing a triathlon, finishing a marathon, wh whatever it might be, what advice would you give them? Well, I don't think being female should hold you back from anything. Um, some might feel we still live in a world where a lot of sports are male dominant and um, that could change a mindset. But I think it's more impressive to see the us as females out there pursuing whatever our goal is, um, whether it's running a 5k, running a marathon, doing a triathlon. I mean, the fact that we always seem to have so much more to balance too, I think is gives us more fuel to the fire and our pain tolerance is so much higher. <laughs> um, That's true. Women uh, are tougher as well. Yes, yeah. I, but I, I believe that if, if you have a goal that just, if you have the right support group and um, some of the right building blocks that you, you can do anything. And a lot of people are like stuck to start or, or I think it's tough to start the journey. I think that's, that there's a, particularly people that are starting to get older, maybe in the middle of the, the blizzard of kids and things like that. I think some women probably feel like they're alone. And um, I think reaching out in, in today's networking world, uh, I think sometimes it just takes one or two other people that are like you and that you share this with that then you can support each other in that goal. I mean, whether you belong to a gym and you know, oh, there's someone that's getting into running and maybe you make an effort to reach out to them. And uh, uh, I think definitely teamwork can help someone Start yeah, tra that training journey. partners have really helped you guys, yeah? Yes, I mean, definitely. well beyond Purple Patch, yeah? Yeah, just, just friends that are, whether, you know, it's the camaraderie, and I think like you said, you know, getting, having that network um, for someone to start, I think, is huge. And then it's amazing once you, once you do start and you get out there, 
you know, it, it opens up doors and, and you meet people that you would never have met and it takes you further on that journey. And it doesn't have to be 20 new of your best friends. Uh, I'm known for, I don't like to do anything in big groups. I don't like to ride in big groups. I tend to train more alone or one, or one or two other people. And I think it's just nice even just to have one or two other people per, that will support you, but stretch you too. And that's, I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially when you're trying to start out. Yeah. And, you know, there's, and not to be worried that people are better than you. You know, I think that is also a really important, you know, I, one of my best friends that I run with is a much faster runner than I am. But when I do get to run with her, it's a good, it's a good push or the people that are in the pool that are faster. You know, when I swim with them, I, I push myself a lot faster than if I was on my own. So I think rather than be intimidated, by people that might be faster, better, being able to embrace that and and try to just push yourself to what you can do and enjoy that part of the journey as well. But join a master's group. Yeah. Join yeah. a running group. Uh, join a, you know, a lot of cycling shops offer in-class rides. I and mean, there's much more of that around now, isn't there? And, it, and it's not competitive. It's just about going out and doing something you love with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's a, another important part of it that, that there is almost sometimes, uh, and, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, particularly from a coach, but sometimes there's an over-obsession of the word specificity where, the, where people get paralyzed of thinking that every single workout needs to be broken down to the minute. And sometimes you just need to get out and get doing. And, and I think your guys' experience of then amplifying that with a coach and being able to sort of mesh both sides of it becomes perhaps the most powerful component yeah 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 don't tell matt hurley but i don't always follow his you know ride prescriptions if i want to go out and just ride with some people but i will push it i I think that's actually an important part of being a coached athlete a little bit of ownership and and that's actually a part of a really fruitful coaching relationship is making sure that you're not converting it to random and having this open communication uh joking about not saying it but not thinking I cannot go on this ride with you because I've got to go three by 20 minutes and therefore I have to go and do that by myself on the Silverado Trail in Napa. Right. It's like actually there's benefits from being in a group. Um, what about maturing athletes? Are we really going to label you guys maturing athletes? Sounds very (laughs) – what should we say, AARP? (laughs) Aren't you co-chair of the Marin chapter of AARP? Um, Age is just a number. Yeah. Definitely, just a number. I don't think about that. I mean, it is crazy to think, you know, when I was 30 and I would – I was like, oh my gosh, they're 50. Look what them doing. Look look what that person just did. And now I'm almost 50 thinking like – Wow, look at that 70-year-old. Look what they just did. So maybe, you know, in another 20 years, I might be, you know, bumping it up another 20, but Well, we we've had a, a wonderful show with uh which we actually t- entitled it the AARP Anarchists <laughs> yes, and uh, um and uh, Rick and Ken to to amazing guys that uh that are well beyond you guys and and still killing it out there. Uh, I still coach uh, Rick actually, a wonderful guy, but uh the the big thing for them is the journey never ends and i think that's the another part of it as well i guess is what 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 i think is really helpful is not having these really definitive end goals that is the beginning and the end it's actually part of this journey it seems to me like this is something that you do that's ongoing and uh, i think that's important yeah and i think it can translate to other things too i mean beyond triathlon I think it still gives you uh, a foundation to if there are other types of sport that you want to do. I mean, there's still lots of things I want to check the box off of and not um, just because I'm now in my 50s. It's definitely not going to hold me back. I remember Rick, who's, uh, goodness me, I I don't want to say Rick's age because I can't quite remember, but uh, towards 70 and his big thing is – what am I going to do next? And so it, and, and he has done plenty of triathlons, but his th- next thing is I want to do the rim to rim. And, uh, so, uh, there and back, you know, he wants to do this 52 mile trail run. Why? I've got to do something epic. 
And it's this sort of ongoing challenge. And I think it can spread well beyond triathlon. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important part. If, if you have the spirit of the journey and it's a part of what you do, it's not defining. It doesn't matter. It gives you leeway to, I guess, be flexible in, in what you actually go and apply. Yeah? Right. And I think too, once again, it, it kind of comes with that camaraderie and people that you might train with. You know, there's certain people that'll say, let's go do this ride or this couple of day adventure. And it, it makes it, um, you know, something that you, as you said, it, it's part of the daily life that kind of gets you to that next step and being able to enjoy that process with other people. I just, yeah, I don't see age as, as something that's sort of stopping it. No, I just think you need to keep working on the formula. I mean, it's your nutrition, your sleep. I mean, still, uh, having that healthy balance, that's going to make you last right forever. And it is, what, what about for someone and maybe, we went through this, but I think we have listeners that uh, aspirational, but they haven't taken the first steps and you know, they, they, they sort of might be inspired by listening to you guys, but it's that very first step, which I think is the most challenging yet to really get going, particularly I think for maybe, uh, mums and, uh, and, Maybe was their kids start to get older. It's like, what's next? What's the next thing? And I, and I see that a lot of really invested in their child's development. Sandy, your kids are one's away, one's getting ready to go away. And, uh, and, um, so a lot of people in that situation of, well, hang on, what's next? Do I go back to work? Do I, and, and many have this sort of aspiration to, I want to do something for myself. And, uh, and, and it's, but it's, it's challenging. Yeah. It's, uh, it's challenging for, for women. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's part of a gift of probably for both Sandy and I that we've been able to do this as part of our journey as the kids have been growing up. So it's just a continuation. Um, where I, I can see that, you know, that's why it's very important for anybody that's out there, especially moms, as you may have said, that if your kids are young to start now, if that's what you want to do, don't wait till they get older. There's no reason to hold back. I mean, show your kids a great example, you know, where like they get old enough, they could ride their bike while you run. I mean, there's so many great ways to incorporate your endurance training with the life and with them um, so that you don't have to, you know, give up that dream and you can continue that. I'd say um, the high school years are <laughs> maybe a little <laughs> bit more challenging. And I actually feel like I have to be around almost more, you yeah. know, or more on it. And it's exhausting on another level mm-hmm. um, that is different from when they were young. So just because I think some people think like, oh, I'm just going to wait till they're, you know, older and, and I can do, but I can no, start yeah. it then. Um, so I would say don't, don't wait, just start, whether it's, you know, going to buy a pair of running shoes or like Sandy said, joining a club, um, or reaching out to get a coach and be part of a squad or a one-on-one, um, or setting a goal. You know, I have a group of, of set a goal. Yeah. Women friends that just, they're going to do the death Valley marathon and they were not, there's a group of them that weren't really runners and you know, it's awesome to see how much they have progressed over the last couple of months. And I'm so excited for them. And I know they feel so good, you know. Yeah. That has a, a, a bigger component. I, I want to finish with um, something a little bit more philosophical. And you might just say, shut up and move on to the next question. But Kona itself, I know, was a, a massive challenge. I mean, there's a ma- massive challenge to, to qualify and one that ended up hitting you on the back of the head. The day is, the event is no joke. I mean, there's never an easy day there. And I'm assuming that once you did cross the line, and particularly in the, the days and weeks afterwards, it probably comes up that you've, you've probably got a really good inner pride of, of that, as you should. Have there been other parallel experiences in life or sport that you've really sort of really had to invest in for success or any sort of parallel journeys that you've gone on that Kona reminded you of in many ways um to be honest it's sort of like a daily journey i feel like you know every day you are 
you know, certain days are easier than others, mm -hmm. but there are challenges, whether it's, you know, like today I'm dealing with, you know, something that's happening at work. You know, one kid has got a rolled ankle, one kid's got something else. So it's just, there's, there's always something. So you're just constantly kind of overcoming, know that, you know, you, you have to get through whatever challenges ahead. So I, I feel like, you know, Ironman preps you training for Ironman preps you really well. Like, yeah. like I said before, I think it's, it's almost easier in some ways just to go off into an Ironman for a day <laughs> than to have to deal with the day in and day out that can come up and the challenges that you, you know, are constantly kind of faced with in yeah. a good, I mean, you know, and that's life, like not, not saying, Oh, you know, Debbie Downer, but just it, it is. And it's, you have to embrace that and, kind of, you know, do what you can to, to make it the best that mm -hmm. it can be. Yep. I think there's definitely an element of mental toughness when you do an Ironman. Um, and, and then especially an added layer when you do Kona and no one can really um, describe that, I think, until you do it and some of the uh, challenges you're faced with. And I think for me, I definitely agree with Sarah, the day to day, definitely. But I, I've always, like I've said, like to push myself and I can think of two just challenging situations that just help me get through Kona or some other challenging things in my life, almost saying like, well, if I can do that, I can do this. And one actually is a triathlon was um, the first year of Ironman Lake Tahoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think if anyone, that's a little chilly. Yeah. And that was my first Ironman. So I definitely had that in my back pocket. And, um, I, in my mid twenties took a baby sabbatical from life, had to go off and figure some things out. And I did a mountaineering course, a Knowles mountaineering course in the Indian Himalayas, six weeks, um, pretty intense. I was one of three women, the rest were, there were eight other males and we were climbing and we summited a 19,000 peak. We were the first to summit it and just battling a lot and things like that. If I can do that, <laughs> can do that. <laughs> um, I can put my head down and, and do get through a day, get through a day. So it's funny when I built that question, I, I, in some ways I didn't even know what I was asking and, uh, but I was looking for an answer like that. It completely caught me by surprise. It's amazing. It's interesting what you hear. Now it's my favorite section. You, you thought you've, you've managed to get to T2 here for the second transition. This is the part that your whole world could collapse on this. It's our quick fire section. It's Desert Island and uh, ripping off of uh, the BBC show, Desert Island Discs. Four questions. These are quick fire. And there's two of you, so you're going to get a little more time than our individual guests might have. But we are going into, this is going to give us, the listeners, real understanding of who you are a little bit. So you're going off into exile. You only have one little bag. You can only carry a few things. And you need to be able to shout a little bit of advice at the end. So you're ready for this? Four quick fire questions. So the first question, and I'm going to, I'm going to pick on Sandy first. I've known you the longest. So you're heading off to exile. You get to the bookshelf. You get to grab one book. You can only bring one book with you. What would it be and why? I guess you're all really going to get to know me now. <laughs> I have this quirky side to me. So I love anatomy and I probably should have gone back to school to do something in that field. And I should say um, it's never too late, but I would grab one of my favorite books is The Anatomy of Movement. And I just am always fascinated at, of how the body works and why. And I love to self-diagnose and I could sit and read <laughs> that all day. And um, that's the book I would grab. There you go. That is not what I was expecting. It's brilliant. <laughs> all right, Sarah, how are you going to follow that? I don't, you know, Wow. <laughs> um, that's impressive, but I, I, I agree. I, I probably should have, should think about something in that physiology sense, but I, I don't know the names of any books. Um, the one that I have finished in the last year and I love this writer is by Kelly Corrigan and it's called tell me more. 
I'm pretty sure that's the, the, um, <laughs> Kelly title. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's sort of very relatable. Um, she's an amazing writer, just talks about day to day kind of stuff as being a, a mother and, uh, you know, business person and a friend. And, um, it's a great book. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The second one, what are we going to get on this one from, uh, Sandy? Well, this time we're going to go Sarah first and, uh, you get to, you get to grab your last eight track or I'm, I'm trying to be uh, age uh, appropriate here. <laughs> that's, that's pushing it. Yeah. What's going to go on my Walkman? What, one, yes. On your Walkman. There yes. you go. One piece of music. What would you bring and why? Um, I think the, the one song, uh, would be you too, beautiful day. Oh, interesting. Needs yes. no, uh, further exploration. Yes. I don't think. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Sandy. Here's another thing that <laughs> can give people a chuckle. Um, I love uh, various types of music, but, um, one of my all time favorites are the Foo Fighters mm-hmm. and I love Dave Grohl. So anything by them would be coming awesome. with me in my Walkman. Brilliant. I don't think they have anything in Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to bring one other thing. Who wants to go first on this? One other thing. Um, I think it would probably have to be <laughs> my roller. Oh, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah, I've Foam got you roller. Know, it kind of goes everywhere. <laughs> there you go. With me. It's a uh, good stuff. Every We're suitcase. just having a conversation. Every, every su- yeah. Perfect. Well, I love my family, but I would bring my dog. Oh, what's your dog's name? Ella. Ella. What type of dog is Ella? She's a black lab, oh, just lovely. under one. So yeah. just got oh, a few wow. years okay. left, so we keep each other in good company. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, the very last question, guys. You're dropped at the island. You have enough time just to turn and shout one final piece of advice to the world. What would your final words be? Do what you love and don't feel guilty. You know, empower yourself. Sorry, that's more than one. That's all right. No, your final words. So that's, okay. that's fine. Okay. You can say okay. you can say a paragraph if okay. you would like. <laughs> Do what you love. Well, that was part of mine, but also one that I preach a lot, and I know it's not very original, but I really believe it. Definitely, just live in the present, day by day, and keep it simple. Keep it simple. Now the basics. <laughs> that's yes. one of my right. favorite. Yes. Now yeah. the no, basics. It's true. Just- yeah. I have to think about my uh, my last words. I would say I have <laughs> you lots, have so many. I just I I wrote a book on it called the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> we need to publish that, don't we? We need we do need to add the blizzard of bullshit to the dictionary. It's not on there, and I do say that a lot, filtering through the blizzard of information that's out there that confuses. But guys, thank you. Thoroughly enjoyable, really empowering is the word that I would use, and. Uh, Congratulations. That's one thing that I didn't say at the start, but your journey is, uh, is fantastic and, uh, and it's not over. That's the best thing. So thank you for being a part of Purple Patch. But most importantly, thank you for sharing your stories today. Thank you, Matt. Thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care.